0: Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 31, and chapter 15, verses 19 through 21, and from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Dr. Robert Waymack is preaching this morning. His sermon is titled, Before and after. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a few highlights. We hope you'll join us today via Zoom for a shortened social hour at 11 a.m. and then for perspectives at 11.30 with the Reverend Robin Crawford, who will be leading the second of a two-part class on stress and how, in this season of Lent, We might fast from unhelpful fear. The Companions on the Inner Way Retreat will be taking place via Zoom Wednesday through Saturday this week. Luther Smith and Brian McLaren are the presenters. With the pandemic and anti-racism top of mind, they will be exploring the topic Habits and Practices for a New Normal. If you're interested, I encourage you to take a moment to register. You'll find the details in the announcements. And note that due to the Companion's Retreat, we will not have our usual Taze service this Wednesday. Our next Taze service will be St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. So I invite you to mark your calendars for that. And now in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, Becoming still as you prepare to worship God.
1: We light a light in the name of God who creates life. We light a light in the name of Christ who loves life. We light a light in the name of Spirit who is the fire of life.
2: Let us pray. God of mystery, you scatter seeds of newness in and among us, calling us to be part of your new creation. For times when we embrace this call and live into it, we give thanks. When instead we cling to the known, resisting all change, forgive us, turn us, and open us to the life you offer. We continue now in silent prayer. change as threat,
0: God sees it as possibility, where we fear loss, God sees wholeness, believe in the good news of the gospel, in Jesus Christ we are forgiven, renewed,
2: and empowered to live into God's future.
1: from the book of Exodus, beginning with the 31st verse of the 14th chapter. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, that in your truth we may find freedom, that in your will we may discover your peace. Through the power of your many names, amen. Israel saw the great work that Yahweh did against the Egyptians. So the people revered God and believed in God and in the servant Moses. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his chariot drivers went into the sea, Yahweh brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand And all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to Yahweh, for God has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider were thrown into the sea. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
3: Thanks be to God.
2: A reading from the letter to the Philippians, the second chapter, beginning with the first verse. If, then, there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit Here ends the reading.
4: Have you ever known the rewards of working with a person who has a developmental disability? My first job in healthcare was doing administrative work in a long-term care facility in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was impressed that the management of that facility was willing to hire people who had learning differences. One of our employees was Mary a quiet young woman with a rather flattened affect. Her job was to change sheets on beds. Once she learned her job, she was slow, but methodical and thorough, and she seemed proud of what she did. If you've ever worked in a place where people who have disabilities work alongside the general population, then you are probably aware that at times, they can be subjected to taunts and teasing. Of course, management does not tolerate this, but it goes on. One day, after a long morning filled with meetings, I took a break, grabbed some lunch, and headed to the employee lunchroom. The room was almost full, primarily with younger staff members, housekeepers, nursing assistants, maintenance staff. I took the last seat by the door next to Mary. Apparently, the conversation going around the room was, what is your favorite music? Since this was the 1990s, most of the responses were in the genre of rock and roll. Being a child of rock and roll, I silently congratulated myself every time I knew one of the bands mentioned. When the conversation began to grow stale, one of the guys in the lunchroom looked our way and said, "'Hey, Mary, what's your favorite music?' Mary did not have the ability to read into the situation the questioner's real intent. She was just grateful that somebody thought to include her in the conversation, so when she heard her name, she sat up straight in her chair. What was her favorite music?' She blurted out the answer, hymns. There was a collective gasp in the room, hymns. And just like that, Mary proved that she had the power with a single word to stop a conversation cold and clear out a lunchroom, hymns. (laughs) Oh, me. As I sat in the lunchroom, alone, with Mary, I turned to her and asked, Mary, what is your favorite hymn? And I wish I could give you her answer, but the truth is that was so many years ago and I discovered that Mary was Southern Baptist. I am Presbyterian. I did not know most of the hymns she mentioned. But what I do remember is how her face lit up and how expressive she became for the first time as she told me about her favorite hymn. And I remember she kept saying, Don't you see? It has a before and an after. And I saw what she was talking about. Many hymns have befores and afters. Of course, there's a significant event or a turning point in the hymn that causes one to see things in terms of before and after the event. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see before and after. I have thought about that conversation with Mary many times over the years, and today I say, thank you, dear Mary, wherever you are, because you have given this child of rock and roll the courage to admit that I too really enjoy hymns. They speak of our faith, They give praise and thanks to God for our abundant lives. Some are prayers, asking for help through difficulties. They are proclamations of what God has done and continues to do. Hymns speak of the befores and afters of our lives. If you have a daily devotional practice, the next time you're looking for a devotional guide Instead of searching for the latest writer that everybody's talking about, try picking up the Presbyterian hymnal and meditate upon one hymn a day. If you do, you will have almost two years worth of meditations that span centuries of great philosophers, theologians, and regular folks just like you and me. All of them have put into poetry their beliefs, their longings, their prayers, their hopes for the world. You know, the Bible's filled with hymns. We have 150 of them, all neatly bound together into a book we call the Psalms. The Psalms were probably part of the hymnal of Zerubbabel's temple in ancient Israel. But there are many other hymns in the Bible as well. In our first scripture reading this morning the verses from exodus 15 have been some of my favorite verses ever since i studied them as a seminary student sing to yahweh for god has triumphed gloriously the horse and the rider were thrown into the sea what's going on here as the book of exodus opens We discovered that the Hebrew people suffered as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Then, onto the scene was born Moses. When he was an adult, Moses went to Pharaoh ten times to ask that the Hebrew people be let go from their slavery. Ten times, Pharaoh said, no. And each time, God sent a plague upon Egypt. The tenth plague, the death of the firstborn of every living thing in Egypt, proved to be too much. Pharaoh told the Hebrew people to get out. However, he later changed his mind. He ordered his army to pursue the Hebrews. We're told that at the Red Sea, a strong east wind drove back the waters of the sea, and the Hebrews walked through the sea as if on dry land. Once they had crossed safely to the other side, they discovered the Egyptian army was close behind. However, the winds stopped and the water returned, covering the Egyptian soldiers, their horses, and their chariots. Upon seeing this, Miriam, the prophetess, led the people in a spontaneous song of victory Sing to Yahweh, for God has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. Biblical scholars call this verse the Song of the Sea. This song is a hymn. A hymn of praise for delivering the people safely on the other side. And although there's much scholarly debate concerning its age and origin, many scholars think that this is the oldest verse in the Bible and they believe that an eyewitness to the Exodus event may have actually written it. This event was so significant that the Hebrews reoriented themselves so that much of life was seen in terms of before and after the Exodus. Before they were slaves, afterwards they were God's own people. Oh, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 more years, trying to understand who they were, where they were, and where home was. But they always knew that God had delivered them. And to this day, they remember and celebrate God's deliverance in the annual ritual of the Passover. Now, the stories in the book of Genesis tell of events Older than the Exodus, but those stories were told and written at a later time. Then the Genesis stories were placed before the book of Exodus by some ancient editors so that the Bible would make sense chronologically when it was read. But this verse in Exodus 15 is probably the oldest one in the Bible. This is where the Bible really starts. Looking at it always gives me goosebumps. The long story of the Bible really begins here. And it begins with a hymn. In the second reading this morning, from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, guess what? We read another hymn this time an ancient Christian hymn, so old that it was recited by the Apostle Paul in this letter and included in the Bible. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. In scholarly circles, these verses are commonly called the Christ hymn. And, just as with most biblical verses... There's much scholarly debate about it. Is it a real hymn, or is it just hymn-like? Was it sung or not? We will leave that to the scholars to debate. I prefer to believe that this is a real hymn. Reading this hymn, it's difficult to find a before, but I believe that there is an implied after. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bend, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then what? What happens afterwards? How do we live once we are on the other side of confessing Christ as Lord? And, just like the ancient Hebrews, we're led to ask, who does that make us? Where do we go with that knowledge? What feels like home? I think the Apostle Paul spends a good bit of the remainder of the letter answering those questions as he describes the Christ-like life and how one should live after confessing Christ as Lord. Our lives are filled with befores and afters. If we were to ask the children in our congregation about a before and an after in their lives— I suspect they would talk about their education. What was school like last year, before the pandemic? How did they relate to their teachers and their classmates? And what is school like now? Perhaps some are still learning at home, or if they are back in the classroom, what kinds of limitations do they have as they interact with one another? The young adults in our congregation would probably speak of their own befores and afters in terms of becoming independent adults. Before may mean the completion of one's formal education. After might be thought of as the beginning of a career, maybe finding a special person with whom to share one's life, or perhaps even thinking of starting a family of one's own. As a congregation, we have befores and afters too, and we are in the middle of a couple of significant ones right now. Before, we grew under the leadership of a beloved pastor who was with us for 30 years. Now, we are in an after time. We are waiting and we are beginning the search for someone new to lead us onwards into a new future. We have another significant before as well, before 2020. We remember what worship and ministry looked like before the pandemic, how we celebrated the passing of the peace in worship, how we shared Holy Communion, how we mingled and ate from a common table during social hour. Look at us today, after the changes. In this new after, however, I am grateful to Jenna, to the church staff, and the leadership council for their strong creative talents in finding new ways to help us continue to worship, to commune, and to be the church in these trying times. In keeping with our Lenten theme, Where is the choice? Look at the many choices and decisions that we will make. Soon we will gather together and be asked to define who we are, who we want to become, where we feel called in future ministry. Then we will try to determine what talents and experiences we need in a new senior pastor who can nudge us into new ways of being disciples of Christ. In essence, we will be asked what our new hymn will be. And in both situations, searching for a new pastor and continuing our ministry without being able to gather in person, I am convinced that this is not the final after. When we get a few years down the road and look back on this time, I think we will discover that, right now, we are doing an amazing job of keeping the ministry going under unprecedented circumstances. However, we see changes on the horizon. If we want to keep the music analogy going, I think we will say that we see a signature change On the next line. What will the music sound like with the changes? What will our new ministry be? 7th Avenue Church has been singing its hymn for over 120 years. What will the new stanza sound like? Will it be in the same key as before? Will it have the same tempo? What will it say to the inner sunset of San Francisco? I do not know. But what I do know is this. There is a new Easter coming. There will be a new after for our congregation. A new senior pastor will be called. New worship experiences will arrive. There will be a place for each of us, and it will be important. For all of us to join our voices together to sing the new hymn to the glory of God. In the name of the Creator who put into our souls the hymn of life. In the name of the Christ who taught us the melody of love. In the name of the Spirit who gives us the strength and the courage to sing a new hymn to an anxious world. Amen.
2: We believe in God, who continually does new things and invites us to participate in this creativity. We believe in Christ, who teaches us to let go of the familiar, so we can embrace and serve God's new creation. We believe in Spirit, who guides our thoughts and actions, enabling us to release the results of our work to God. This we believe. Amen. Amen.
0: pray holy God for the melodic sounds and colors of creation we give you thanks for the welcome of birdsong and the feeling of spring for clear blue skies and new buds forming on trees for life in all of its abundance we give you thanks We pray that we might be caught by wonder, illumined by possibility, inspired by creativity. We are at a time of reflecting on what was before and what is now after. Give us the courage and strength to see clearly and to sing a new hymn, one that is very old and yet feels new, a melody of love that lives in the bone of our bone. We bring our longings and hopes for the world, for the well-being of the planet, and for our animal siblings who walk and swim, fly and burrow on our earth for the well-being of our human siblings who perceive and experience the world differently. We pray for those suffering hunger and illness, those living with violence, fear, and sorrow. We pray for those singing in jubilation and gratitude. We pray for our complex life shared in common and for our individual dreams and stories to tell. We ask that you would be with those we love and with those we struggle to love. Family members, friends, colleagues, those with names known and unknown to us. We ask that you would be with the 7th Avenue community as we find our way through our own transitions. We pray for newness of life. We pray for trust. We pray for vision. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. we make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray saying
1: our God who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom
3: we mm-hmm.
0: with the strength and courage of the Spirit to sing a new song to an anxious world.